Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cashback really adds up. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the U.S. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Ion Veterans is a weekly program focused on the men and women who have served our nation in uniform and their families. We're powered by ConnectingVets.com. Always a great place to find military news, veteran news, resources, and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This hour, we'll hear about a secret mission gone wrong and why some Special Forces veterans are now in a lot of trouble. It is fairly common for former Special Operations guys to go into private contracting, private security contracting. To get, to get approached for a coup is not an everyday event. And a special three-part series with former Green Beret Dan Lorenz, who will show us exactly how he found small business success. What is it that I really, truly want? And once you identify that, then it's going to open up tremendous possibilities. Franchising just happened to be one of them. And so that's what I did. We'll start this hour off with a shocking story about American veterans in South America. And we're joined by my colleague at ConnectingVets.com and Special Forces veteran himself, journalist Jack Murphy. Welcome back to the show, my man. Hey, how's it going, Phil? Always good. And I always find when I'm talking to you... I. They're about the coolest stories of the week. And this one sounds like sounds like a Hollywood movie, only a Hollywood movie gone wrong. Um, Special Forces veterans invading Venezuela in an attempt to overthrow the government. Um, break it down for me. Well, it, it, it's a bit complicated, but to try to boil it down simply, uh, there's this guy, uh, Jordan Gordo, who is a former Special Forces soldier. He's a CEO of a company that he started called Silver Core USA. Uh, he brought on a couple of his old Army buddies. They were uh, all in 10th Special Forces Group together. Uh, their names are Luke Denman and Aaron Berry. 
And together, they basically plotted and planned to launch a coup in Venezuela. And they met with Venezuelan opposition leaders in Florida. They established a camp in Jamaica where they um, had some uh, Venezuelan exiles there that they were working with. They were also training some other exiles uh, down in, uh, in Colombia, right across the border from Venezuela. And they plotted this coup. And uh, I actually was able to speak to somebody, a veteran, who they tried to recruit into the coup, and he backed out because he realized how ridiculous and insane it was. That's crazy. So let me ask you, as a former SF guy yourself, is it normal for you guys to get out of your units and become civilians and then be approached by private contractor companies that are basically fighting proxy wars or doing military missions as civilians around the world? I think that you have to clarify this a little bit. Um, it, it is fairly common for former special operations guys to go into private contracting, private security contracting. And that can take on a couple of different um, uh, vibes, I guess you could say. Uh, some of them go to contract directly for the United States government, where you're working for the State Department, for the DEA, for the CIA. Um, that happens. Then you also have people who go to work uh, really in, in commercial private security, providing security at you know football stadiums, providing security for high-value clients who want bodyguards. Um, there's all sorts of different contracting. I mean, a lot of it, most of it, is very mundane. Um, it involves being like a gate guard at a base overseas in Afghanistan, that kind of thing. Hmm. To, okay. get, to get approached for a coup is not an everyday event. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Cause that kind of puts it in perspective. Um, and also kind of makes me feel bad about myself and that I was not approached for any such cool jobs when I finished my military service as a journalist. Uh, <laughs> no one wanted me to go write a story overseas and get behind the scenes, but, uh, well, I, <laughs> I can tell you, Phil, I've been approached with some really weird stuff over the years and, uh, I advise people not to get involved. I tell them don't get involved in that because I, I've studied so many of these cases and I have very, very rarely ever seen them go well. And in fact, that's kind of what your story here outlines. Um, explain to me just a little bit about the root of it. Um, these guys, Silver Corps, uh, they were not hired by the U.S. government to go take down the leader of Venezuela. They were acting no. on their own. or I mean, who was basically asking them to come down there? Was it another Venezuelan? So it's not completely clear. Um, not only is the United States not connected, the United States government, but I was actually told that the CIA caught wind of what they were up to and approached them several times and tried to talk them out of it. But they were um, meeting with Venezuelan opposition leaders. Um, I was given a contract that has uh, the signature of the current president of Venezuela on it. Uh, that contract was signed by him and signed by Jordan Gordeaux of uh, Silver Corps. And whether or not that signature is authentic or not, I think remains to be determined. But we do know from reporting that the AP did, um, and my own reporting seems to substantiate that he did meet with Venezuelan opposition leaders. Now, whether or not any money actually changed hands is unknown. However, that contract that I was provided uh, copies of it promises Silver Corps $50 million for services like strategic planning, procuring equipment, and project execution advisement, whatever that means. Um, and then they were promised a further, or uh, that, that when the contract obligations were completely met, when the contract cured, they would receive a total of $212 million 
that was to be backed and secured by Venezuelan barrels of oil. <laughs> Amazing. And again, something right out of the plot of a movie. Um, insane. It is. It's, it's almost to the point where it's like, it's not that this is real life um, becoming something like the plot of a movie. It's almost like something in reverse where you you almost seem like you have people who watched a lot of movies and then tried to directly replicate what they saw in those movies. <laughs> and that's why it sounds like the plot of a movie. Yeah, no doubt. Um, describe the guys that are involved in this failed coup attempt. They're not exactly the most squared away Green Berets, right? Well, no. The guy who was running Silver Corps or continues to, Jordan Gordeaux, uh, was allegedly investigated in the Army for uh, committing tens of thousands of dollars of fraud against the United States government. Um, Aaron Berry, who is another one of the coup plotters currently arrested in Venezuela, I had a source contact me and tell me that he was actually kicked out of the military because he was getting drunk all the time and beating up his wife. And the unit tried to cover it up for him a bunch of times, but eventually it got so bad they couldn't anymore. Um, so he got kicked out. Um, but I've been saying for years, you know, our community has a lot of problems. I mean, we've been fighting this war for almost 20 years, and we're trying to pretend as if we haven't completely a whole generation of soldiers who are now really messed up with TBI and PTSD that are addicted to the adrenaline that comes with combat, and they don't know anything else. They came in the military at 18. Now here they are in their 30s or 40s, and they have nothing else. They, they have nothing else in life. They can't even imagine doing something else. And as a country, as a nation, we're not doing a very good job of dealing with that. For those that don't follow Venezuelan politics, you'd mentioned that uh, the president or this contract that you'd seen allegedly was, you know, signed between Silver Corps and the president of Venezuela. But yet that's not the president that oversees Venezuela, right? Doesn't Venezuela have like an evil dictator that is like screwing his own people? And yet we only talk to another guy who claims he's the president of Venezuela, even though he doesn't actually. Yeah. Live. Yeah. The, the presidency is currently contested. Um, the, the, the quote unquote evil guy that our government doesn't like is Nicolas Maduro. Um, the United States government is trying to support the opposition who is Juan uh, Guaido who is the guy who signed the contract or, or appears to have signed the contract that I viewed between um, the, the acting president of, uh, of Venezuela and Silver Corps USA. <laughs> and again, somewhere on that contract, I'm sure if you look close enough, was Sylvester Stallone's signature as well as uh, Schwarzenegger and a few other They're guys. They're filming The Expendables 10. <laughs> the Expendables 10. Very cool. Well, the article is not expendable. It's incredible. Tell me the headline and tell me where I can find it. The article is X-Green Berets tried to recruit this vet for a failed coup. Now he's speaking out, and it can be found on ConnectingVets.com. Jack Murphy, SF veteran and gonzo journalist worldwide. Appreciate your writing, and uh, always like talking to you about these crazy stories, man. Yeah, anytime, Phil. And we'll be back with more great veteran stories when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, what we're going to hear for the rest of this hour is a conversation I had with an Army veteran who literally inspired the hell out of me. I'm always looking for people who can help find veterans' careers. And Dan's advice is perfect for anyone, not just veterans, but anyone who's sick of their current job 
and really wants something more out of life. Dan Lorenz, how you doing? I'm great, Phil. How are you? Really good, man. Really good. And, uh, you know, as we spoke last week when we were setting the interview up, um, super psyched to talk to you because I love all things small business. And I think especially in this day and age right now, we need to be looking at opportunities because, uh, you know, the end is not near. In fact, this is a reset. This is a, re- a reboot, if you will. And uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there for us. But hey, quickly, before we get into the small business thing, the franchise opportunities, everything with your website, share with me a little bit about where this all starts as a veteran. Tell me about your service just quickly. Yeah, no. Hey, about 20 years uh, in the U.S. Army, in the U.S. Army Special Forces. I am a warrant, warrant officer in the National Guard Special Forces currently. You know, I hit that 12-year mark, uh, Phil, and like... They say in the military, once you get past 10, you got to really decide on what you want to do, right? And so I was on a series of active duty status, and I said, man, I got to do something else that's going to get me to the late stages of my life, be able to provide for my family, the lifestyle that I want, et cetera, right? And so uh, I got out, uh, went into the National Guard, basically on M-Day status is what they call it. And I started working as an Intel analyst, some job in the Northern Virginia area, right? Oh, yeah. It just turned out to be the most mind-numbing thing that I've ever done. (laughs) Yeah, and like so so many of us that are veterans can appreciate, you know, like you get to one stage of your career and from like E1 through E6, it's a blast. You're doing stuff that you really like. And then you might get into kind of a more managerial role even within the, you know, big army or navy or wherever you're serving and um yeah can lose its luster really quick what was your mos uh 180 alpha special forces warrant officer so i was an 18 charlie when i was an enlisted guy uh you know went in 13 fox artillery then went through the q course and selection selection in the q course and then became an 18 charlie which was a special forces uh demolitions and engineer expert huh and always a critical question for me to ask, because as I just heard, um, not a whole hell of a lot of use for that in uh, the civilian world. I mean, there's not a lot of jobs hiring you for your ability to blow things up or to uh, make sure things don't blow up. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I did it because it was probably, in my opinion, you know, one of the best uh, things to do in the military. I've always wanted to surround myself with incredible people and incredible organizations, right? And you know, there's a saying that you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. And so I use that saying throughout my life to kind of help me grow as an individual, you know, as a, as a business leader, as a military officer, as a family, everything. Um, I try to associate with my people that are in the same mindset. Right on. And you've done incredibly well. And we're going get, getting ready to kind of open that bag uh, as we talk about how to start your own successful business and start your own successful franchise. Um it didn't come right away for you and share with me a little bit about that bridge coming out of the military. We're an SF guy. We've got years under our belt. We've got experience. We've got leadership and probably an inspiration from some of the greatest leadership examples you can find. But now you're looking at taking this civilian style. You're looking at getting out. You want to do something, as you'd said, to kind of create some generational wealth for your own self, for your own family. What did that journey look like? Listen, I had to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. We all know that the military, in, in the grand scheme of things, is a short-term objective, right? You're, you're going to spend 20 years, and that's really just a short-term span of your life. But what are you going to do after that? Or what are you going to do to make sure that you can provide for your family? I mean, that's your duty, right, is to provide for your family, right? And so uh, when I got out, 
I was at the pinnacle of my career, what I would say. I was a, I was a CW2 warrant officer. I led a team down in Central America, uh, an SFODA. I was in charge of all the special operations forces that included Navy SEALs and other uh, Green Beret and PSYOPs units in Central America. I was briefing generals, the ambassador, you know, almost on an every other day basis, right? And because we were doing such a pivotal, a pivotal mission. And then to leave that, like the pinnacle, right, of your career, like, you're like man, it's never going to get any better than this, to leave that and embark on the civilian world is, is a daunting challenge. And I've always just wanted to strive for purpose. I've always wanted to make an impact. I've always wanted to wake up every morning and just be like, Dude, I've got a day ahead of me, and I am going to crush it. But the problem is, is that I didn't know how to seek out the proper ways to live my purpose-driven life. So I get out, you do a job, right? You know a buddy, a buddy gets you a job, you're grateful, you're like, man, I'm making it. I just transitioned, I'm in the National Guard, here I am, I'm doing this job, and it's great. I make a, I make a good salary, but in the end, that salary is just enough to keep you paying your bills. You have no lifestyle freedom. You don't have financial freedom. You're just working, man. You're, you're a cog in the wheel, okay? And so you can only, some people can only take that for so long. For some people, that's great, and that's not to knock them, right? But I guess I'm wired a little differently, and there's a lot of people that are wired differently, and we want more, and it's okay to want more. So this is my breakdown moment, Phil. I woke up at the end of my bed seven months after returning from that peak in my military career, crying like a baby. And I was just hands in my face and just saying, how could this be? Mm. Like, what has my life come to? I've spent my entire, you know, I spent 12, 13, 14, 15 years trying to be the most smart, strongest, tactical, strategic military weapon in the world. Right? And here I am doing absolutely, having no say, nothing, initiative, not leading anyone. It was, it was a smack in the face, really. It's not a poor me story, right? It's just reality, man. Yeah. And if I can click pause right there to that yeah. reality, what you just described is what we hear about so often. And I think maybe years ago when there wasn't a war on terrorism, we called it a midlife crisis. I think now, especially in the veteran community, we hear, you know, people coming back and they're just so dissatisfied and they, some, some even are just kind of throwing it into the category of PTSD or they're saying like, oh, well, you know, I mean, my headspace isn't right because, uh, you, you know, all these things that I'd done or I miss my tribe or all that. But you've defined that exact moment with your head in your hands that almost every person feels at some time or another if they're just punching a clock. If you are just working and getting by, it's totally normal, natural, and I would almost say happens to every person. One of the quotes I'll take from our last conversation offline here was that you said you couldn't find a job that understood you. Listen, there's some amazing corporations out there. Okay. I don't need to name them. We've all heard about the initiative to hire 10,000 veterans, et cetera. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but they're, they're doing that, but they still don't know. They still don't have a grasp on what it is we bring to the table. So you're going to get that job, right? You're going to be able to pay your bills, but it doesn't mean you're going to have purpose. Because a lot of these jobs are, you know, back office, you know, same situation where, hey, you're playing a pivotal role, pivotal role for that corporation. It doesn't mean you're playing a pivotal role for yourself or for others necessarily, right? right, right. It's not the way you had imagined it, right? So 
I just had to figure out, you know, what I had to dissect, you know, why am I facing the rejection? What is it about me that isn't enabling me to get a foot into the door of where I want to be? And what was where I wanted to be? I had to define, I had to define that too. You know, because society is telling us what we should be. From the days we're in high school, it's go to college, get a four-year degree, you get out and you go to, go to work for a company, uh, and you retire. Yeah, That's yeah. bleak. <laughs> it's bleak, right? So then you get a lot of us that we wanted something more already, right? We either weren't good enough to play sports in college. We didn't have the, the physical attributes, the the mental capacity to study and play sports or the, or the, you know, whatever it was. Right. So, you know, we choose the military. Maybe it's just, we just wanted to serve. Our parents were in the military. We choose the military. That narrative is still there though. You go to a transition office and I just, in my experience, I'm not saying this is how it is at every installation in America, but it's, Hey, great job. File for your disability. You have post nine 11 GI bill or the GI bill. Great. Go talk to these education counselors. And they just try to pump you through a four-year degree program. Now stick around because we'll hear from Army Special Forces veteran Dan Lorenz that that's not your only path when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And now I recently had an incredible conversation with a Special Forces veteran, now small business owner and business coach, Dan Lorenz. We talked about how he found incredible success as a franchise business owner, doing it again and again and again, and how even amidst this current economic coronavirus-driven climate, you can find success too. Now we'll pick back up at the part where we're talking about his own transition from the military and how most people just tried to push him onto the same old track. Go to college, find a job, yada, yada, yada. And Dan explained, there's so much more than that. Not everyone needs to get a degree in literature, okay? Right. Um, right. right? Like, like, what if these people are better suited, you know, going to electrician school or uh, becoming engineers um, or, you know, plumbers or contractors, whatever it is, right? Or I will tell you the alternative is that you can still go to college, Right, if you still want to get that degree, but what are some of the things that plague the American people like right now? We hear about it all the time, and that's student loan debt. Oh, debt is a crush. Yeah, because you're—I mean, it, right? that affects your whole initial family budget. No, it, it, it's horrible, right? And so the the solution is, well, listen, I'll just work. I'll wait tables. I'll bartend again. But now we're still getting away from our purpose-driven life. And so my point is, is that go to college if you want to go to college. However, it doesn't mean that it's a singular mission. You don't just have to do that and then say, okay, now I'm going to go wait tables at Outback. Okay, now I'm going to go into central. No, start a business. And so that was, that was my experience, Phil, is, okay, how do I start a business? I think of starting a business, and I think of Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Cuban and Steve Jobs, right? Well, I don't know anything about creating apps. Okay, well, what's the alternative? So sometimes we just stop, right? We're like, well, that's a hard answer. So I'm just going to go ahead and play video games or I got a shift that starts in 20 minutes. No, you got to do some more digging and diving. And that's where I come in. And that's where I didn't stop. So you asked me that question, you know, what was that turning point? Well, I don't really take no for an answer too well, Phil. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the nature, right? But you tell me I can't do something, and I'm like, scrap my whole day, cancel all my appointments, because at the end of the day, I'm going to do this. And so, luckily, I had that you know emotional awareness, that ability to start seeking people out. And I was like, well, let me learn from this person and this person. And one of them was my brother, who was a Marine in 88 through 92, right? Desert Storm veteran. Never went to college, but somehow just figured out how to start businesses. Mm. So I'm going, this is so interesting. Here I am with a four-year undergrad degree. I'm embarking on an MBA program because I feel like, again, I'm following society's path, even though you know half of me is going, that's not your purpose. You know, What's your purpose? And I'm like, oh, I want to get this great job so I can make a lot of money and I can have a nice car and a nice house and support my family, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But here I am looking at my brother and I'm going, man, I've never seen this dude in a suit. I've never seen him grinding from, you know, eight in the morning till two in the morning. I mean, I'm sure he has because you have to, right? But not on a daily basis. Right, right. Yeah. He's not, he's not traveling. So we're from the Northern Virginia area, right, Phil? So we know the hazards of uh, Route 66 and uh, 495, right? So he's not driving that hour and a half 15-mile drive twice a day. Yeah, stuck in traffic with 7 million other button pushers, desk jockeys, people just grinding it out, hoping that they might get a 2% raise. Yeah, no. It's ridiculous. And again, nothing wrong with that. But I'm going, man, what is he doing differently? This dude lives at the beach in Delaware. And he told me about a franchise that he started 10 years prior. And he was like, Dan, like, you know I started businesses, but I also started this this franchise. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, it changed my life. And I was like, oh, my God. I understand now. And so that's when, you know, he, he said, I'll start a franchise with you. Uh, I already know how to run the business, so let's find a territory close to where you're at, and I'll teach you how to do it. And mind you, I'm in my MBA program at the University of Maryland at this time. And uh, I was like, okay, but I don't have any money. And he's like, hey, man, do what you got to do. If you want it bad enough, you'll make it work. Let me just click pause and note the irony here. The irony that I'm talking to a guy who's pursuing his MBA at the same time. Listen, it was incredible. The J.P. Morgan uh, Military Veterans Internship Program and got placed within the investment bank. Learned so much. But, you know, I was working from 8, 9 in the morning till 2, 3 in the morning. Sometimes I would work a 24-hour shift. I would just brush my teeth the next morning, wear the same suit, maybe change my tie. And I'm going, man, here I am in New York City. My family is in D.C. I've seen them once in three months because I'm also working on Saturdays. In the meantime, I'm still going, hey, man, what am I doing? This is not how I envision life. I started to see how corporate America started to work, right? Corporate America. I mean, you're right. You can think you're living the dream and see the guy at the red light next to you wearing the suit and, you know, boy, look at him. I bet he's dandy. No, I bet you that poor stiff's worked about 60 hours a week, spent multiple hours a day in traffic, doesn't get to go to his kids' baseball games. His life is actually a a bucket of suck. But we see it on paper. Oh, you wear a suit. You went to college. You must have a great life. Uh, No. (laughs) That's not the path you have to follow. And and uh, I knew when we talked the first time that that you going through that was what made this kind of the real deal and not just a, hey, buy my DVD, buy my book. Hey, look at me. I'm going to teach you how to start a business. Um, you're no infomercial, bro. You've actually been through some stuff. You've done a lot of this. Um, 
let's unpack a little bit now about the actual franchise things because you found that you've been disenfranchised now a couple times post military. It's not going the way you want it to go. Um, you had the guts and the fortitude to maybe take out a little bit and sink it into this franchise. Let's unpack that because, um, like myself sitting here right now, franchises, I can't open a subway. I don't have seven figures liquid. I don't have $500,000 to put down. Um, it all seems like the mountain's too big for most of us. Right. It's, um, and, and listen, you know, the, the other thing is, though, is that we get to a point where our, our tolerance for risk decreases as we accumulate more dependence and time. Okay. <laughs> I heard that. I got two kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and so that's the thing, right? So, you know, when we unpack this, in the end, we all have to just really dig deep in ourselves and say, what is it that I really truly want? You know, what is that? And once you identify that, that's going to open up your world to the tremendous possibilities. And so, and I, and, I, and I tell people that because when people talk to me and they want to come and they want to look at franchises, right? And I just say, researching is not deciding, okay? Like, you're not going to say, Dan, I want to work with you and buy a franchise tomorrow. It's a research process. And my whole point is do the research just like you would in a military operation, right? You, you're going to go and you're going to conduct all these operations. You're going to hit your phase lines and you're going to have to pivot. Um, you're going to have fragos. Well, whatever it is, and you're going to have to kind of change your tune a little bit at certain times, right? And so do this research and really figure out what it is that you want, because this is the intel you're going to need to make these strategic decisions in your life. You know, we talk tactical is short-term, strategic is long-term, right? And so you can have this tactical position of working for, you know, a consulting firm or another company or waiting tables, whatever it is, but strategically, you've got to figure out what, what is your strategic plan? What are you doing now to get to that point? And so that's what I did. And franchising just happened to be one of them. And I didn't know about it. And so what I tell people now, Phil, is that, listen, franchising is an alternative investment. There's four ways to create generational wealth. One is through the internet. So you can sell things over the internet, make up, um, you know, drop shipping, whatever it is, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Uh, real estate. So you should probably invest in real estate. There's the stock market. Yep. You can do that way too. And then there's business ownership. But what people, a lot of people don't understand is like you said, Phil, it's like, dude, I don't want to make sandwiches. I don't want to flip burgers. I don't have a million dollars to start McDonald's or I don't even know how to get into a Chick-fil-A. Man, there's so much more out there. And that's what I help people unpack, figure out what's best for them. And then we start going through a discovery process. And now stick around because when we return, Special Forces veteran Dan Lorenz will break down exactly why veterans tend to succeed in the world of franchise ownership. Franchisers love veterans because they have everything, a franchise has everything built into it so that anyone, but really a veteran, man, we're used to working off checklists, we're used to working off plans and strategic visions, and that's what the franchisor does. That's ahead when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, in our final segment with Special Forces veteran Dan Lorenz, we'll hear about how after the military, Dan discovered that corporate America wasn't for him. But he was able to eventually build a business and find success 
through franchise ownership. Now, along with owning multiple successful franchises, he also owns a company called Synergix, which is dedicated to helping people select and start their own franchise business, and along the way, help people discover a meaningful and purpose-driven life. You know, now, as a, as a two-time franchisee, I've kind of been through, you know, the ringer a little bit. Uh, the second franchise that I chose, I, I just I chased the shiny object, like we discussed earlier. It was a hot new concept, um, you know, small franchise, franchisor. They were kind of building everything out, and they didn't provide, they didn't have the ability to provide the resources that, you know, a young, I would say, inexperienced business person like myself really wants to tap into. And I didn't know that. and so. I tell people, listen, you wouldn't go buy a house without a real estate agent. So then why would you go buy a business, which is arguably just as much of an investment if you're not using someone that can help guide you along that way? And so now oh, I wow. take people and they, they reach out to me and I really want, I just want veterans to know too, Phil, like before I lose track of this thought is that you guys, veterans have the most intangible skills right out the gate and anyone in this country, maybe in the world, to run a successful business. But we have a problem translating that into the civilian world. We have a problem fixating on, well, my job duty was filling sandbags. How is that or leading my squad to fill sandbags and build fighting positions? How does that translate to being a good business owner? Well, there's a lot of ways. Okay? And so I want veterans to know that. Franchisors love veterans because it's People process procedure, right? They have everything. A franchise has everything built into it so that anyone, but really a veteran, man, we're used to working off checklists. We're used to working off plans and strategic visions and getting those tactical, uh, those tactical goals set up. And that's what the franchisor does. If you find a good franchisor, they're going to set everything up for you. So you're, that veteran's going to step right in and boom, you're going to be off and running in most cases. It's really important that I tell people that because a lot of us don't listen. I didn't understand it either. I was like, "What? I don't even know how to run a business." What are you talking about? But listen, it's good. You can. You can crush this. All right. Very cool. All right. So, so walk me through what the process actually looks like. Like, I'm down to get a franchise. I want to be a successful small business owner. What do we do together? So here it is. People talk to me. They say, "Dan, I don't know." what I'm doing. And I say, okay, great. So we're going to have a call. It's a 15 minute call. Kind of like you and I did, uh, Phil, I get to know you. And then the benefit of using a franchise consultant is, um, I'm able to kind of pre-qualify you. Right. And so we're going to talk, you're going to fill out a little questionnaire. It's going to be qualitative and quantitative. And then I just got to see where you stand because there's 4,000 franchises out there. Now working with Franchise, I represent about 200. So I'm going to find you three opportunities. But I need this initial relationship building phase, right? We've got to build rapport, uh, the hearts and minds with each other. If we're speaking on, you know, unconventional warfare terms. Yeah, sure, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I got to get to know you, right? And you got to get to know me because you got to open up with me and I got to open up to you, right? And I got to say, listen, that's not reality right now. But I'll tell you what, you crush this first business and I get you in three years, you're going to come back to me and you're going to say, dude, that's the one that I want now. Because you're going to have a higher net worth, you're going to have more liquid. Um, and you're going to have the knowledge uh, in the team behind you now to launch into bigger businesses, right? Or to expand your own. And so at that point is when I introduce you to the franchisor. So the benefit of using me is I just have the, the stable, I guess, right? I have the arsenal 
yeah. of, of knowing how many different franchises are out there. I'm going to put you right into the business development team, and then they're going to handle that sales process, and I'm going to coach you along the way the entire time. I'm going to help you figure out what answers you need, you know, what questions you need to ask, you know, what does your investment look like, how do we talk to other franchisees that are in the industry. You're going to get a solid grasp of what you want, how to run a business, what kind of business it is, if this is really viable for you at your current time. You're going to get a solid grasp of that. And as we work with each other, you're going to start eliminating one of the three, two of the three franchises that I initially sent you. Because you're going to say, you know what, that's a great business. I, I want to keep that one in mind down the road. But right now I want to you know, stop that investigation process and I'm going to focus on these two. Mm. And then you're going to say, listen, I'm going to stop this one. I'm going to focus on this one. And then you're going to get to a point where you're like, I don't know if there's anything that I can learn right now except for just doing it. So uh, I want to go to discovery day and then uh, I'm going to make my decision. But yeah, this is the business I can see myself in. The other important part is that, that starting a franchise is going to be work. Okay. It, it's going to be hard at times, but it won't be as hard or taxing or time consuming maybe as a brand new startup. It depends on you. And it also is very true that you can do this while going to school. You can do this while being in the military. You can do this while being in the National Guard. You can do this while you're working in corporate America. And the reason I say that, Phil, is because you've already impacted. Because I have. Right? And many others have also. One of the questions I had with respect to, you know, you say you help find the franchise. You help distill the idea. You help get to know the person and know what they would have the most likely success with. Um, do people need to, when they consider franchise business ownership, do they need to get out of the habit of thinking, well, here are my skill sets. Here's exactly what I've done with my career. So I should find a franchise exactly about that. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I would say no, in the sense that you have a great understanding. Hopefully you have that emotional intelligence where one of, one of those factors, the four factors of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. That means you've been able to have the tough conversations with yourself to understand what it is you're good at and what it is you're not. And I think that's a crucial aspect to being a successful business owner. But you don't know what you don't know, though. And so if you just go through this process on your own and you just start researching top 10 franchises, you know, whatever Google buzzwords you have, that doesn't put you in the best position to succeed. Hmm. Because you're only focusing on one or two things at that point that are driving you to that franchise. And then the first conversation you're going to have with them is from a salesperson, along with the last conversation you're going to have. You're never going to have someone to bounce ideas off of. So you're not going to have me to kind of say, hey, Phil, let's look at this from this different perspective. Right now, in this COVID-19 environment and this new normal that we're heading into, I truly believe that there couldn't be a better time to start your research process. There are businesses out there, franchise businesses, that are recession, pandemic, resilient. Really appreciate it. This is not the last time we talk. I think you were my new small business consultant, and uh, let's do more of these. I'm glad we get to do this. So I hope that there's not just veterans, but anyone out there listening. In the words of Lewis and Clark, always take the fork that allows you to take the most additional forks. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. I want to thank both my former Green Beret guests, reporter Jack Murphy and Dan Lorenz. 
You can find out more about small business ownership and franchises from Dan at his website, synyrgx.com. That's synergix.com. And as always, you can find every episode of CBSI on Veterans at ConnectingVets.com. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and I'll be back next week when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.